this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today our guests are Steph Stewart and Mario Arnez from Blue Cactus, a local twangy duo. I guess usually duo, not always duo. Is that that the official genre? Twangy? That's just what I decided on the spot because you told me to introduce him. Okay. (laughs) We've been wondering what genre we are, so thanks. Yeah, just twangy. I don't know what to call. Like, you know, I guess guess most of the artists we've had on have been kind of the general Americano rootsy. Yeah, they've got a little bit of twang. Vibe, so... Yeah. Yep. So after that awkward introduction, hi, you guys. Hi. <laughs> Can you guys talk a little bit about your individual kind of backgrounds relating to 90s country? Like what kind of history you have with, with it? Um, well, I kind of had the general wash of whatever music was around. I think that's what a lot of people's experience was. Specifically, fell into a couple CDs. My sister is three years older, so kind of had the older sibling feed of, right, right. Yeah. of some albums that way. So that and then, you know, MTV kind of stuff. Yeah. And did you Are grow you a good Southerner? A good Southerner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad Southerner. Uh, grew up in South Florida. Okay. So that's not really like weird this, Southern. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. That's, that's the only Southern with an asterisk. Southern. Like, yeah. Southern with uh, bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I'm from Western North Carolina, and um, 90s country music was the soundtrack from my childhood. Um, it's what my parents listened to, so that's how I got exposed to it. Because, um, like you were saying, that's kind of what you hear when you're a kid. And, and they were also bikers, so we would go to like all kinds of biker gatherings. Biker, like Harley biker? Yeah, okay. my dad drove a Honda Shadow. Okay. Um, he was a Honda man, but yeah, a lot of Harleys were around. And, I mean, that's what their friends listened to. And we'd, I don't know, we did karaoke, like, every week pretty much as a family. Nice. So we would sing these songs. Mm-hmm. They were like, very karaoke We've talked they, about yeah. that before. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we were very into karaoke. It's kind of, <laughs> we went to, like different restaurants on a weekly basis and eventually my dad built up his own karaoke system at the house nice <laughs> so like every birthday was a karaoke birthday oh, and fun. like our hangouts with their friends were always karaoke parties mm-hmm. um so that was pretty much my experience i mean singing it listening to it all the time mm-hmm. what was your favorite song to karaoke to do you remember well, I mean, it changed for sure. I really loved Patsy Cline as a kid, actually. My grandfather got me into her very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always a goal to, like, master that song. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Star Search was a thing when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I always wanted to be on Star Search, but never did. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, was on, who was on Star Search? Was it Sawyer Brown? I think so. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Sawyer Brown that, that was their break with uh-huh. Star Search. I think we just didn't know how to go about it. My mom would have definitely like had me up there. <laughs> didn't um, get the agent lined up. <laughs> trying to remember. I don't know. I sang a lot of weird, like later on, like in fifth grade, I really got into Cranberries and that was the go-to <laughs> karaoke stuff. But yeah, when I was a kid, I loved singing a lot of different country stuff. You, um, oh man, there's like one of the very earliest Faith Hill songs. Um, was it Faith Hill? The, the song about Tommy's? Tommy, like, sitting on his old front porch. No, that's... That's... Or is that... Oh, God. I thought that was Winona. No, I know which song you're talking about. She, uh, he's in love with the girl. He's in love with the girl. Oh, yeah, that's, I definitely say that's Trisha Yearwood, isn't it? Okay. Trisha Yearwood. Yeah, yeah. Like one yeah. of her first songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved that one. We're bad. 
bad people. Very cool. So you said that you have been re-listening to 90s country music a little bit more lately. Is there anything that, like, you... Do you have any funny stories or any songs lately that have been, like, jogging your memory back to that time? Or something yeah, that has... I mean, I have, you're, you're glad that you have rediscovered since. I'm so glad, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> there are so many memories. I think it just made me really thankful for my childhood, you know? Mm-hmm. I think my parents were, like, not super hands-off, but pretty much, yeah, like go out and play in the woods and when I call you, you need to come home for dinner. Mm-hmm. So I just started having a lot of like gratitude for my childhood. We were really poor growing up, but I never really felt that way. Right. Like, and I guess I didn't really understand that until I got older, but I just felt like I had had a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of things to enjoy as a kid yeah. um, and the space to do it. So yeah, and I, I mean, they're like looking back on it as, as an adult, listening to it, I have like a different perspective. Yeah. So I'm listening to all these and I think I love the female vocals from the 90s. They're just so powerful. Like, people are kind of whisper singing a lot these days, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, the women were just, like, really, really raw. And, um, and their voices are very distinguishable, Yeah. you know? And it's like, and they're singing about, like, pretty bold things. I mean, for the 90s and even today, like, I don't hear that on the radio anymore. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, you know, think of it. I mean, I think subconsciously it really affected me. Yeah. But um, as a kid, I just enjoyed the way it sounded. Mm-hmm. So you guys kind of sent us a list of we were thinking about these. And I got really excited about this one. Um, it's Reba's Is There Life Out There? And Spencer didn't remember what song it was at first. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I sent him the chorus. I just texted it out in all caps. All caps, yeah. <laughs> I got a very angry <laughs> Well, no, from, no, no, that was not anger. That was me, like, I think you really said, like, ex- I'm disappointed in you or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed or something yeah, like I'm that. I'm disappointed that you didn't know. I mean, because we've already talked about Reba a couple of times. But this, I feel like this Reba song, more than any others, is an earworm that gets stuck in my head. Like, I have been, this has been in my head since we started talking about it earlier this week. So what put this on the list for y'all? Well, I had like three I couldn't decide, and Mario was like, I don't know, they're really great. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that, I, I think it reminds me a lot of my mom. And mm-hmm. even as a kid, I knew that that's how I identified with the song. She was married when she was 20. She had me shortly after, so that's like pretty young. And, and she had like a very rough first marriage to my father. She's very strong and like, I just, I mean, I think my mom is the strongest woman I know. Mm-hmm. So I have like a very emotional attachment to this song in particular, um, and I thought about her a lot when I was listening through to it again recently. So that's definitely what drew me to it. And also yeah. Reba's voice is just incredible. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So unique. Yeah, so the song, of course, tells a story of this woman who is married when she's in her 20s, and there's an accompanying music video, which did you guys watch the music video lately? Yeah, I, I, used, I grew up watching the CMT videos. So. <laughs> well, I just, I love how all of her videos are, like, so theatrical and yeah. <laughs> goes along, like, and really is just a, an expansion of the story. So it's like a, a mom that's trying to balance mom life and a job and going back to school and... Yeah, it's just like a very powerful. I feel like most every woman can probably yeah wearing all relate to it. Yeah, and then I thought it was really cool. Again, rewatching it later, I'm like, huh, how cool it is to see like a female in that role doing those things and like a supportive husband. Of mm-hmm. Do you know who her supportive husband is? Huey Lewis. Yeah. Huey Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, he's been supportive. He was so great. Uh, I, I love that. So, 
and it's unique at this time, I think, because there's more like dialogue in, in the certain music where it like breaks yeah. from the song and it's just part of the story. And I was reading, um, this was probably Wikipedia, CMT basically says she was putting the message ahead of the music, mm-hmm. which in terms of like a message or like when I hear that, it's kind of like, is it controversial? But like, you know, it's kind of like this woman living her life and like trying to Make do, it work. Yeah, do, do more, like, mm-hmm. you know, balance the things. And so that was weird to me that they saw it as like a message you know it makes it sound like it's kind of like a controversial thing and they almost banned it from the network but it ended up winning video of the year and wait they almost 92 why did from, they ban it i think just they didn't they ban just, it was almost they just banned. gonna like push it yeah like they just didn't like it yeah i guess just i mean a woman's supposed to be a home right right, right. i think yeah whatever. Whatever. i think like man making that decision. yeah i think that was yeah obviously i, I think that was the message was like God, nashville yeah really women trying it. to not just stay home and I mean I could I could see them not being into the video because it it really it's shot and with the dialogue and stuff it seems more like a short film than an actual music video which you saying that about the dialogue there's also a lot of dialogue like this in her video for the night delights went out in Georgia same album same album same director Jack Cole directed both of those music videos he also directed the music video for Steve Perry's Oh Sherry, which I think is like one of the greatest. <laughs> oh Sherry Perry. <laughs> one of the greatest 80s songs. And that, that music video is also very much like a short movie or film and not really a music video. So I think that that was just kind of that director's jam was to do stuff like that. And I hope that comes back, but I don't think people have the attention span for it. I don't think so either. Yeah. Man, how lucky were we? Yeah, right? And this one I discovered was turned into a made-for-TV movie a couple years later, mm-hmm. which, oh. yeah. And I was I forgot about Reba's appearance in Tremors. I was thinking this was her acting debut, but she was in Tremors in 1990. But a couple years after the song was released, they made a made-for-TV movie. They replaced Huey Lewis. so With Keith Carradine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was From watching. Fargo. Did you guys? I was. I was watching some of that, and it's exactly what you would expect. Yeah, it was. Just like, it was on whenever. It looked very old. Whenever <laughs> it looked like it was an illegal download, like somebody reported oh, it. Oh, it was. On their VHS from CBS whenever right, it right. came on, and then uploaded that VHS to whatever you were streaming it from. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but it does have some really great posters. The tagline on one is, she did what she should, now she'll do what she wants. And it's just like such a good Reba image, like 90s fonts and graphics all over it. So well, I know what uh, we're doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, on, it's on a playlist on there. Oh, we haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, let's you do that. listen to it? Okay. She thought she'd done some living. Now she's just wondering what she's living. Now she's feeling that there's something Yeah, I just love her voice on that, especially at the beginning, the way it kind of goes in and out. You were saying that that this was the first song that you remembered all the lyrics to. Yeah, I remember, like, I really wanted to know all the words to this song. Yeah. And just, like, pay a lot of attention to what she was saying. Mm-hmm. I guess we didn't really go through all the Wikipedia jams, but this, <laughs> this charted at number one in the country singles charts in the U.S., 
and in Canada. It was on the album For My Broken Heart, which is the same one that The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia was on. And I did not realize this, but this was the first album that she released after a plane crash that killed most of her touring band. Did you guys know that story? No. I I didn't either. I mean, it happened in 1991, so I was in, like, first grade and not paying attention to stuff like, you know, (laughs) Ruben McIntyre's band crashing. (laughs) But, yeah, so they played a show in San Diego and split into two groups to leave there in some private planes and one of them at takeoff it clipped a mountain and ended up crashing and killing everybody on the plane and that was like eight of her bandmates and her tour manager I think and she I don't know one like very dramatic rendition of the story said that she was supposed to be on the plane as well Mm. and that she stayed behind because she had like bronchitis or something and wasn't feeling well so she was going to stay in San Diego one more night just to rest and recover and so we dodged a bullet yeah can you imagine to to keep her around that would be awful but yeah so this was like kind of her healing album that she released after all of that happened. Before I forget, since we were talking about the video so much, just another thing to add to our list of things to do. And you guys, if you want to jump in on this as well, um, my friend Holland, I was texting her about this song earlier and she said she wanted to dress as Reba in this video for Halloween last year, but she was afraid no one would get the reference. And I was like, Neon Boots Halloween Party, where <laughs> oh, we dress yes. as, as the characters. characters of 90s, 90s country music videos. That would be great. I don't, who would you dress I, I, as? That's, there's so many options right there that I can't decide off the bat. But I'm glad I, I haven't know. cut my hair in a while because that means mullet season. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Mullets are on the table. Hmm. I, I think I would get the airbrushed Earl's Girl Ooh, shirt that's that a good Jan one. Krasinski, whatever her name is, wears in the Earl Had to Die. Yeah. music video yeah that'd be a good one and that'll be a and that'll be after the fair so I can get it made <laughs> I can I can get the airbrush sweatshirt made at the they at the fair yeah yes. yes good thing I mentioned this now that, so yeah you thank go. you I'll, I'll keep that in mind that's ridiculous <laughs> I mean it needs to happen I think with all of our other ideas we can just add into the just, karaoke and the and the everything road trip else. to Dollywood <laughs> and yeah, yeah everything it'll be like there. your one year anniversary close right yeah, pretty yeah. Yeah, it's getting there. It'll be the one year anniversary of Spencer texting me about being angry about <laughs> nobody singing along to Strawberry Wine. Or people that were not straight singing along to Strawberry yeah. Wine. So there's like a lightning bolt when this happened. Yeah, this basically, is... just inspiration, you know. Yeah. You're welcome, world, for listening. <laughs> being open to that inspiration. Cool. Any other thoughts about Reba or the song? I mean, we always have lots of thoughts, but yeah, we can uh, save them there's always Reba thoughts. Always Reba thoughts. Yeah. Watch Tremors. Watch Reba and Tremors. I'm going to watch that. I hope it's streaming on something because I want to watch it now. I'm sure you can pay $3 or whatever to stream it on Amazon. Say this to the person that has generic diet sodas in their <laughs> fridge. Like... Kevin Bacon's in that one, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Was he in the first one? Yeah. I, was... I think okay. so. Yeah, he's in the first one. I'm not sure if he stayed on for all the mini sequels. I think he did. I thought I saw, yeah, I thought I remember seeing a sequel. Oh, there's a lot of sequels. But then I feel like I went to go try and, like, latch on to the whole franchise Uh at one point. I was surprised that there was much less Kevin Bacon at Um, a certain point than I would have assumed. They probably couldn't afford Kevin Bacon after a while. After, like, the third one. They (laughs) were like, okay, no more Kevin Bacon. I'm one degree from Kevin Bacon. Go on. Yeah, so, um... (laughs) 
It's a, it's a stretch. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> okay, so do you know that TV show? Oh, I don't even know the name of the TV show where wow. he is like an FBI agent and it's a serial killer who has a cult. The following okay. is the name of the TV show, and it was on TV from like 2013 to 2015. And it was shot for one season, it was shot in Atlanta. And my friend Jess, that I went to college with, was like the assistant art director or whatever. So part of her job was to decorate the sets. And so one of the like intro to the first episode is a girl in a college dorm room. So she was responsible for decorating the college dorm room. And of course, you know, in a girl's college dorm room, there's like a board with like pictures of her and her friends. So Jess just printed out pictures of all of us from college. And those are the pictures that are in this girl's dorm room. And I had to sign like a waiver to release my image on this TV show for that Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon to walk in front. Wait, so is exactly. Kevin Bacon in? Like, did he walk in front of these pictures? I like, think so. Yeah. So you have a, potentially a photo of you and Kevin Bacon together. We would have to like pause and zoom, zoom, zoom. But yeah, the technology possibly. That's my one degree from Kevin Bacon. So basically what? you're saying Kevin Bacon will be our next guest. I'll see if ne- I can Next week, stay that. tuned for Kevin Bacon <laughs> on Neon Boots. Star of Tremors 2. Star of Tremors 2. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys used to ever um, just get really excited about, like, I don't know, the CMT countdowns or or even, like, MTV? I don't know, like, they would do, like, the top whatever every yeah. week. Yeah. TRL. TRL with Carson Daly. Yeah. For, well, I was into, like, country music as a kid, and then, you know, MTV became the thing, and taste shifted a little but I definitely watched those countdowns religiously mm-hmm. and I would feel like really disappointed when my <laughs> favorite people were like booted down oh it was rough yeah I remember getting upset like not at the very beginning of TRL but they started to focus more on like their guests that they had coming into the studio so they wouldn't even play the entire oh, video yeah. Yeah, right. and that would piss me off because yeah, it's like me too. I want to see this entire Backstreet Boys video I don't care about this guest that's in the crowd this week yeah yeah all right. right. Well, that, I mean, Reba. <laughs> we start on Reba and up on Carson Daly. That's how this podcast rolls. Speaking of rolls. Oh. <laughs> well. Mario, do you want to tell us about the song you picked out? Uh, it's, it's a real doozy. It's, uh, it's changed a lot of lives, as Garth would, would have you know it. My first exposure to the Thunder Rolls was, I guess I got that live double album yes. of Garth's from, I don't know if it was Target or Walmart, one of those spots that, you know, I think my parents like had me go pick out a CD I wanted or something. And so ended up with that one. I think there was like the cover, he was like smashing a guitar or something on So that was totally badass mm-hmm. for me. I think the double album came out in 98. Does that sound right? Probably. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably the right time for me to start, like, picking a CD at Mm -hmm. random sometimes. Based on Smash Guitars? Yeah. (laughs) That's definitely my kind of jam. Plus, my sister, you know, like like I was saying, my sister, uh, she had some, you know, music tastes at that point. She had a Brooks and Dunn CD. Nice. I remember hearing. Um, she was also my hookup to uh, Nirvana Nevermind was one. 
doubt. It got really scratched up after a while. <laughs> yep, she had no doubt and everything. But some of that, yeah, she also had some of the country, um, 90s country in there. So, yeah, came across that live album, and I just remember the doomy, ominous vibe of the Thunder Rolls that came on. The ooh, there's something, mm-hmm. there's something going on here. <laughs> that one latched on. I think it was the power of D minor. Kids <laughs> love minor tunes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think we just heard all the, heard all the usual happy songs, and then that one just stuck out as a real, real jammer. Mm-hmm. But I remember that being one that stood out of one of those first songs that just put on repeat. Mm-hmm. I was also into a lot of Weird Al, so I think there was just a couple, a couple CDs I was flopping in on my boombox. Weird Al and Garth Brooks. Yeah, and Beach Boys was probably. I think. Oh yeah. I think Sleep John B was like one of the first songs I put on repeat nonstop, and then like actually learned lyrics too. I mentioned the Beach Boys a few times in here, but I had mm-hmm. a Beach Boys box set before I probably had more than a handful of CDs. Period, which had like you know demos and shit on there and I was like mm. <laughs> now thinking back it's like cool as like a eight year old or whatever I had like all these like deep Beach Boys cuts that yeah, were like yeah. unreleased but I was like so into Beach Boys like yep that, that makes sense for Spencer to have like, it's hip yeah yeah, yeah. so cool and on the ground <laughs> so I can't remember in the live version on that album does it have like the thunder oh yeah noises so yeah because I was reading about them recording the album version that was on no fences in when it originally was released back in 1990 and and they talked about how they worked in the the thunder noise that they had a clip of thunder that they had recorded like in a field like literally walked outside and recorded the thunder for a different song and then they decided just to play it over and it just they didn't have to do any editing it just was like fit over beautifully yeah Yeah. and i found an interview with garth brooks where he was like it just felt like it was meant to be because it fit so perfectly i mean it's garth brooks he was a badass with his tour so i'm sure he found a way yeah i would say his production had to be yeah they probably had lights and all that too Stuff. Yeah, on, at some of his big tours. Crazy. And the live version had that extra verse to it where he kind of talks about getting the gun yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. So we haven't talked really about the origins of this yet. So I was reading in the Chicken Soup for the Soul book, which I purchased. <laughs> I'm glad I finally got to reference that. Hopefully I'll get to reference that many times. So Garth wrote this with Pat Alger. And so he wrote a song... Pat Alger did in 1987 a Kathy Mateo song called Like a Hurricane or he co-wrote that with Marty Sanders he mentioned something about the thunder rolling and so that kind of made its way into this and supposedly they wrote the song like an hour and a half and uh, he said in the story that maybe they even demoed it that same day and Tanya Tucker was about to do a greatest hits album so they pitched it to her and that was like the plan you know those greatest hits albums always had like an extra new song or two to get you to buy it and so she was planning on doing it the producer said he wanted it to be a little more a little bit more dramatic which now like in the Garth version sounds ridiculous like that's a super dramatic song it's a little bit confusing how the story went but apparently either the producer or Tanya herself said like we want there to be another verse at the end so they wrote a few different versions they submitted this one and you know they were just basically like well Garth doesn't have a record deal so sweet like a huge country star is going to 
record this, but she ended up not recording it for that. Or maybe she recorded it, but didn't make it onto that. Yeah, it, she she cut the first version in 88, but then okay. held on to it. Yeah, it came out in like the mid-90s mm-hmm. on a box set. You know, she kind of was part of the adding on to the song, even though she... Yeah, is didn't obviously is the one known for this one. But did, um, did you listen to her version? Yeah, I did. What did you think? I mean, I'm just used to. Did y'all listen to it? Yeah, I gotta do that. I just is, learned recently this. Really she had the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it has these really bad synthy keyboard <laughs> type sound. This is a recording from the late '80s, right? Yeah, <laughs> shocking. So, yeah, imagine yeah. that. But it's hard, you know. Garth's version is the definitive version to me. So, like, yeah. I think regardless of anything she would have done, yeah. it would have been like, oh, this isn't right. You know, yeah. his version is like ingrained in my mind. So, like, anything yeah. else is just like, this is the wrong version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but I don't know. We've we've talked about like we keep bringing this up. <laughs> Reba's version of the night the lights went out in Georgia compared to Vicky Lawrence's, and like. Vicky's version is still really cool, especially with the organ and stuff in the background. Right. It's just a different sound. It doesn't sound bad. It just sounds different. I think that Tanya Tucker's version sounds bad. <laughs> it, I don't think it would have been a hit No. if she was the one putting it out. It's just very generic. Is it yeah. like the production overall that makes it feel like not right? Well, I mean, like the Garth version is so like, moody and dramatic, like you were saying, yeah. Mario. Like it's... And that's kind of what does it, I think, is, you know, and it was surprising to me, like, I think the first Garth album I had was, like, the the Hits album, which had, you know, the gamut of things on there. And so it was surprising to me that this was on his second album because it's pretty... You know, out there for a country song at the time, 1990, his second album in. You know, it wasn't like a superstar who could do whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. which you know he became to be. You know, it just doesn't really fit the 1990 country sound. You know, he kind of steps yeah. out of the box a little bit on that. Yeah, I feel like it fits and it connects to the Reba tune. We were talking about this on the way over. Those early 90s songs were really storytelling songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the beginning. Oh yeah. And and then, like, even an epilogue sometimes. It's just, like, this, and I think that would have been a really cool time period to be a songwriter, to get mm-hmm. to kind of do that thing that I don't really hear a lot of people doing anymore. Right. The song, certainly. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, but it's funny because, like, so this is a very, like, drama-filled, the video portrays domestic violence, and so it's a very dark but also progressive type of song to even be singing about that. But then Friends in Low Places is on the same album. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's top, like he's just he's just throwing everything yeah. at the wall to see what sticks, and because he's Garth Brooks, it all sticks. Right, right. It's yeah. a complicated name. It, he is. <laughs> so, and this video also apparently was like banned from CMT. That's why and, I thought maybe you just got confused whenever no, 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 you were talking no. about the Reba one. No. So two banned videos. Yeah. I don't think the other wow. one actually was banned. This one, just was I think, favorable. was banned, and then, like, VH1 started playing it. Because yeah. it's kind of like one of those things where some of you were talking about this video that then they just decided to play it. Yeah. But apparently CMT asked him to kind of record kind of like a message at the end or like kind of redo the end. And he said, you know, I'll put something on you can like tack on the end, but like the song itself isn't going to change. The video is not going to change. Like I'm sticking with that, which is again, like considering he wasn't Garth, like we know now at the time, you know, I feel like that's pretty awesome. He was just kind of like, you know, this is what it is. And I'm not going to cave to this just for video play. And ended up winning the video of the year from CMA that year Mm -hmm. in 91. So I haven't seen the video because all his stuff is not online and I didn't have cable at the time. So 
hard to make that happen now. But I think it was one of those things where it was very high production values because it was supposedly one of the most expensive videos. But then just because it was... There was controversy around it. I think that made more people... Yeah, want to watch it. Want to see it. I did find a version of the video where there's somebody narrating it dubbed over. So it doesn't have Garth's music. So that's mm. how you get around the light. Mm-hmm. That's how you get around it. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so you it's, mute that and then just play it. You mute that the... and you can just watch the video and you can like hear it in your, in your <laughs> head or play it on your iPod or whatever to line it up. But I mean, it was pretty... It was like very dramatic and dark and... There was no question about the domestic violence. Like, you know, the woman has bruises on her face. So, like, there's no question that that's the message that they were sending. It was not family-friendly for 1991 or whatever. And I read, kind of speaking of that, and I don't remember if it's the Chicken Soup book or something else. This is not very Chicken (laughs) Soup-esque with the domestic (laughs) violence. But the songwriter that Pat Alger, who wrote it with him, said, you know, that last verse, he kind of wanted to leave some mystery in there, like what she does with a gun. And, like, I don't really know, like, I guess the other mystery that I've read some places, like, she could have shot herself, but it's like, Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like that. Like, that's not how it plays out in my head. Yeah, there's... Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of mystery. Maybe it's because I've seen the video, so I definitely remember that scene where she goes to the... Yeah, yeah. Goes, like, yeah. That's it. And there's, like, this dark rim in the light with the gun. There's a... Yeah, there's a... There's a scene where it's like you see her silhouette and she's pointing the gun. Not at herself. Yeah, not at herself. <laughs> and it goes up, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, also in the video, in addition to him being physically abusive, he's also cheating on her. Yeah. Yeah, and drinking and driving. And drinking and driving. And, like, she finds out that, like, his mistress calls her and tells her, like, hey, I've been sleeping with your husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was radio, like, like there's They're on the phone. Okay. They're on the That's, phone, yeah, and, like, she gets... And she's got bruises on her face, and she's on the phone and finds out that her abusive husband is also a philanderer, and so she goes and gets the gun and waits for his ass to come home. I miss so much not having cable in the, in the 90s. <laughs> I don't even think it was an option for us to get cable, but I would have known the story we, so much better. We haven't listened to this yet, have we? No. Okay. Uh, let's listen to it. But all the wind and rain, a strange new perfume blows And the lightning flashes in her eyes, and he knows that she knows And the thunder rolls And the thunder rolls The thunder rolls And the lightning strikes yeah, I wonder if they were like, it was that the thing of the time, you know, trying to be bold in your lyrics, you know? Mm-hmm. And it seems like, at least with these two songs. Yeah. I don't know why but we can't keep doing that. And you talked about. On mainstream radio. Like the songs you were choosing from Independence Day was another one you were debating on, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was definitely one. Even at the time, I felt like, I don't think the Thunder Rolls really struck me the same way, but you could tell Independence Day was like, oh, there's like some meaning behind this. There's like mm-hmm. more to it than just a catchy song or whatever. No, that wasn't catchy, but mm-hmm. definitely had like a strong message behind it. Yeah, I think she burns down the house at the end of that. Yeah, definitely at the end of the music video. Yeah, keep rubbing those music video references Sorry. in my face. <laughs> we should have a music video party. That's what we need. Okay, add that to the list All right. of things that we're yeah. going to do. Our empire. Yes. Our <laughs> <laughs> Taking over the world, bringing 90s country music everywhere. And then Garth, I always think of him with his like little microphone, you know. I think... <laughs> 
I wanted to have one of those. He's the one who brought that movable show around, you know? Yeah. He really took up the whole stage. Flying over the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was flying, wasn't he? Yeah, and that's crazy to find out too is that he's like, he studied advertising or marketing. One of, that was basically what his like. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that's what his brain that. was. Right. That's what his brain was. That he, I mean, that's how he was such a huge, crazy selling act. Yeah. Is that like, he basically went at it in a, from a totally different perspective than like what most people do. He, he sold like more records in the U.S. than the Beatles. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like the number one or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. only second of the Beatles or something like that. In the world, in the U.S., he's number one. I think still today. I understood that. Yeah. Have y'all seen him before? No. It's, it's on the list. It's on the list. Do you guys remember when he joined Facebook? <laughs> no. no. What? Oh my God. We cannot talk about <laughs> Garth Brooks without watching that video. Wait, what? So when he, yeah, when he joined Facebook, it was, uh, yeah, he just. He was like kind this. of resistant. I don't think it's his good. Like he's not on YouTube. Right, we're saying he's. I don't. I don't wonder what that's about. You like why is. Yeah, he's not on, not on Spotify. I mean, I would think it'd be a money thing, but he doesn't have, like, it's hard to buy his music now yeah. in a lot of format. I mean, you can't buy it digitally, so. Well, yeah, he sold, like, Amazon. he sold so many, an insane amount of albums, like, when hard copies were really set. Right, right. And so, you wonder if, like, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe he's just, like, old school in that regard. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. not doing this. Hold out for the Garth Brooks streaming service. <laughs> well, no, there was one. He just, started one, didn't he? Just his own? I, have no I idea. feel like I read that whenever I was studying for <laughs> um, whenever I was studying for Grant's episode. I don't know about this. So in, when he was on Facebook, what happened yeah. there? Search um was it it's like Garth Brooks Facebook. If you search YouTube for that, it'll you'll find this, an amazing this guy? Yes, Yeah, there it is, there the it is. One. You know, I guess he was like really holding off on joining Facebook for a long time and then, <laughs> and then we get the introduction on that video. It's And it's not like he would be the one dealing with Facebook on there. I would assume he, it would be. He would pay somebody. Yeah, he well, would just delegate that. That's what we think, but he's so down to earth, right? Well, there is, <laughs> yeah. like, I saw a video, I think it was on Facebook, maybe it was on Twitter or something, where he was playing spring training with the Pirates this year. He was on that a few times with different teams, and so he was just, like, walking around, getting filmed on Facebook Live, talking about one of his foundations and trying to promote that, and just, it was the most, like, meandering. Facebook. I say that as during our podcast, we go on eighteen hundred tangents. But yeah. uh, just a very meandering video. But obviously, people were eating it up because it's Garth. But yeah, yeah we need to watch this. Watch I don't know anything about it. Now I'm. I think that I might have made that up. You probably did. Oh no! The country superstar's catalog isn't playable as he once tried to launch his own digital storefront mm. called Ghost Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a terrible... He said so many ideas that worked, and then he just... I mean, obviously Thunder Tunes would have been a little That would have been much better. I think Ghost Tunes is like the Al Rick streaming service. It should be. Oh, yeah, with his little ghosty guys. on everything. Ghost Mm -hmm. Tunes. Oh, man. That's what they became, because you can't find them anymore. (laughs) It looks like Ghost Tunes got bought out by Amazon. This was definitely one of my dad's go-to karaoke guys. Thunder Rolls. Oh, just Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks in general, but the mm-hmm. song for sure. Very cool. 
Neon Moon by Brooks and Dunn is the yeah. song that Spencer and I chose. <laughs> but Spencer has nefarious reasons for choosing this song. I'm glad you just brought that up off, wanna, the, off the top. Off the, let's just get it over with. All right. So speaking of Facebook, um, <laughs> Steph mentioned a couple weeks ago on Facebook about your lack of love for Casey Musgraves, who just oh, yeah. did a cover of the song with Brooks and Dunn live. So, and then they are putting out an album of like remade Brooks and Dunn it's songs. It's called Reboot and it's coming out on April 5th. Of course it's called Reboot. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Rachel did just spill my backdoor way of talking about Casey Musgraves in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> as we, as we do on lots of, it. on lots of episodes. Do we want? So what, what's your, what's your deal? <laughs> <laughs> I think I need another beer. <laughs> oh, I just, I said I don't get her. I didn't say I hate her. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I said that. Maybe I did. Or lack of love. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, she's just kind of doing what people already did in a way that, I guess because I grew up with Shania Twain and stuff, I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, that was then, like, I don't know. It's surprising to me that so many people latch on to it, maybe. I think that that's one of the reasons that we like her. So just to kind of flip it is like, I see her and she reminds me of Dolly and what Dolly Parton has done. And it reminds me of stuff that Shania Twain has done. And those two being women that I love, I appreciate seeing Casey Musgraves continue that for like a new generation. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I love about her is she is just going like hard in the paint with the like (laughs) queer fans. I went and saw Robin in Chicago. Oh yeah. And it was like 90% gay men at the show, which was so fun. And the DJ that opened played high horse and like everybody just lost their shit and it just made me feel so happy but I mean it's nice yeah. when pe- like when people are brought together by music and yeah that's really one of the reasons that we have it in the first yeah. place I don't hate her stuff <laughs> I think for me it's just kind of like we're putting okay. you on the spot here well I think it's just kind of like now when I think about music what I love when I'm listening to music is different than when I was a kid mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to discover this music now wouldn't mean the same thing when now sense. I just listen for lyrics a lot and I'm a real big lyric person and and so that's kind of like what I go to when I want to hear music yeah and as much as I love her I I will say her lyrics are pretty simplistic there's I mean yeah and they're about important things and, I, and I'm glad that she's doing that you know I mean it really is like what the 90s country stuff was mm-hmm. doing but it's just like when I can predict the next line, I just don't yes. want to hear it. You know? Yeah, that, I want to hear something that surprises. Me. It's a little bit in the vein of kind of Disney-fied yeah. stuff in a way, which is like it's cool in one way, and that you feel like you can hear a really large audience being connected mm-hmm. to in that way. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's cool. In another way, it's like okay, but. Yeah. Is there that much here for me, I guess? See, that's interesting because I definitely agree that a lot with her lyrics, you can predict what the next line is going to be. And sometimes that really annoys me. Like the bro country stuff, it really annoys me. But I think her voice is just so sappy sweet that I love it. (laughs) And then, did so did you see the video of her doing the duet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you sent it to me. Talking about picturing people singing along like you can hear the entire like the rhyme and everybody in the audience is singing Mm -hmm. so it starts with just her singing the first verse and then brooks and dunn come out and everybody loses their shit (laughs) because he's got like the guitar with the neon moon Mm -hmm. on it it's just so good yeah and she had been covering that 
for a while. Before that, yeah. for a while. So I'm sure that made a connection. Yeah. But I think for her, the last album, once I started listening to it, it's not a country album. Mm-mm. That's when I really was into it. When I first was like, oh, it's Casey Musgraves. It's going to be a country album. And it's definitely not that. Then I was like, well, this is weird. This isn't what I expected. Then once I just kind of like let go of the expectations. expectations of what it should be sound yeah. like. Then I was more... There are some parts of it that sound like disco. Well, yeah, High Horse. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like a... It's a fun fun album. Like yeah. I said, I think if I had discovered it younger or something, I would have... Right. Yeah. I was... It's, I don't know. It's a banging pop record. Times. Yeah. Yeah. It probably would have had to have some kind of special memory. Like, if my girlfriends and I were, like, having some mm-hmm. fun times over it. Like, <laughs> but I haven't just had, like, a memory association. And I don't want to downplay what she's doing. I mean, I know that she has, like, very real meaning for people. Like, it's not, you know, it's like, her songs talk about serious stuff. Mm-hmm. That is important. So, yeah, I appreciate that about what she's doing. And that it is, like, on a larger stage. I mean, she's really, like, doing big world tours and yeah. getting those messages out there. Yeah. Which we yeah. really need, like, now more than ever, probably. Mm-hmm. So... I have a lot of respect yeah. for that. I think more than her music, I love her, like, don't give a shit attitude, which I think that that is what makes me appreciate her music so much more. Because I, I'm totally with you on, like, her lyrics being predictable and stuff, but I think it's Casey as a person. Yeah. Because we're, like, tight. Yeah. <laughs> one degree. I think yeah, I, one degree. <laughs> like, I think I, I give her more leeway on that just because, like, she's so endearing that yeah. I cut her more slack that way. More slack on her music Toby than Keith. you would. Oh, yeah, yeah, than Toby Keith. So we're not actually talking about Brooks and Dunn right now. Anymore. Yeah, I was trying to figure out a way to get back to that. Um, I'll just there make are, the awkward transition right here. There are covers of the song I like. I mean, I like the song itself a lot, but I feel like it lends itself to covers mm-hmm. outside of the country genre really well. So, mm-hmm. like, Future Birds did a like live session where they recorded this, and then uh, Cigarettes After Sex recorded one mm-hmm. last year, and I think it's just, like, it's got such, like, a kind of like a sparse like psychedelic dreamy feel that like it can just easily transition from one genre to another Mm -hmm. which I like a lot about it so I feel like until this week or so I hadn't been listening to the Brooks and Dunn version as much because I listen to that Future Verge version a lot but I I like that part of it a lot that it's kind of I don't know if I would say it transcends genre, but it's easy to kind of move into a mm-hmm. different genre or mm-hmm. to translate to a different genre, I guess yeah. I could say. Yeah, so it was released in 92, the third single from their Brand New Man, which was their debut studio album. Before this, like, Brooks and Dunn were solo artists on their own, which I didn't listen to any of their pre-duo stuff. Pre-Brooks and Dunn. Pre-Brooks <laughs> and Dunn. But the person that brought them together, who we've talked about before, was Tim Dubois, or Du Bois, I don't know how, to, how he pronounces his name. Dubois. Dubois. We talked about that on Skylar's episode, as he was the one that came up with Norma Jean Riley as the name. Oh, yeah. He was the producer, or like just fancy exec guy, and Tim was like, hey, yo, Brooks and Dunn, y'all should be a duo. And they've won the CMA Vocal Duo of the Year every year since they debuted in 1991. Even now? Except in 2000 when the honor went to Montgomery Gentry. And in 2007 and 2009 when it was awarded to Sugarland. Whoa. I mean, they are, to me, like the iconic duo. But I just would have assumed. I imagine they they didn't win anything after 2010 because 2010 was when they broke up, in quotations. And then they got back together in 2014 to play just like a vague 
Vegas residency right, right. So with Reba. <laughs> yeah, they just need to remain so eligible. So since 2014, now now Were there it's a back. lot of duos on the big stage at that point? I don't. I might be like the only one. The only one that was good enough. Yeah, maybe. yeah, the only one of that one. I mean, the Judds. Yeah, the Judds, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think of like later stuff, the 80s, like Big and really? Rich, which was not good. Not but good. Just when I'm thinking of duos, like they're the one. They're the think country of. duo. Did you guys do line dancing? I mean, I know we all had to <laughs> yes. do elementary school. Yeah. I don't remember this. Everyone keeps talking about this. I don't remember learning in elementary school. What? I need to talk. That's I know. I need you to talk. You did it in Florida? Yeah. I feel like it had to happen. I just don't remember. I need to talk to some people that went to the same elementary school as me and, and, du- and double check. Um, yeah, it might have been traumatizing. You just forgot I about went it. to a mostly African-American elementary school, which <laughs> makes me feel like I would have remembered that because it would have been, it would have been an, interesting. Interesting, yeah, an interesting day. <laughs> but I don't remember that. Well, so you were asking if I had ever heard of Greenville, South Carolina venue called the White Horse Saloon, where there's some of our favorite 90s bands were coming up. And that was like the place to go to do line dancing and oh, yeah. close to where I grew up. She went to the White Horse. We had the stockyard. Nice. And, and they also served, like, it was a steakhouse and late-night karaoke. It was great. Interesting. Did everything right They had, like, a teacher. Yeah, you can learn the boo and boogie. Uh-huh. Talking about steak. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this transition. This is great. Kix Brooks has a TV show on the cooking channel called Steakout. Oh, he's, he's got a cookbook. But he has Stake a TV out. show called Stakeout with Kix Brooks, where he goes to like big cities and tries to find the best steak. So he huh. goes to like New York and. What channel is that on? On the cooking channel, whatever oh, channel that is. Channel. I don't think I get that one. Cooking It with Kix is his book, The Art of Celebrating and the Fun of Outdoor Cooking. And he's the one with the mustache that looks kind of like Dale Earnhardt, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I can never remember which one is which. Me yeah. either, actually. I think for me, it's, it's hard horrible. to like pick the vocalists out on each song, too. Whenever. But there's, if you look at the Wikipedia page, there's a description as to which one is which. Oh, yeah, I'm just bad at like listening to yeah, it. And I don't know. Which. Oh, well, we haven't listened to it yet. Do you want to listen to the Brooks and Dunn version of Neon Moon? Yeah. Let's do it. Jukebox plays on, drink by drink And the words of every sad song seem to say what I think And it's heard inside of me Ain't never gonna end Oh, but I'll be alright As long as there's light from a neon Okay, so Spencer discovered something interesting while we were listening to that by reading the Wikipedia page. Yeah, the Wikipedia page, again, who knows who wrote this? <laughs> no citation, no, like, credentials. But they claim that the song's narrator is a man at a strip club, and he spends most every night there because his significant other has left him. I have never thought of the song in that light, but as we were listening to it... And listening to the lyrics... It kind of fits, mm-hmm. and I i don't know. That just blew my mind. Thinking of it in a whole different light now. A whole nother neon. <laughs> We're reading the lyrics and the yeah, ads. It's it's, it's, so one thing I do like about the lyrics like, that I identify with, he's talking about at one point that like, the jukebox is playing and the words of every sad song seem to say what I think. And like I definitely feel that vibe sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're like When you're in a shitty mood, that... Every song, oh yeah, I identify with that. I remember like 
that last Dylan Earl record. I think mm. y'all played with him some, right? Yeah. I was listening to that one time. I was like, yep, all these songs I totally identify with right now. This mm-hmm. is, and I had to stop listening because I was like, this is not a good, not a good road to go down because all of his songs are super bummers. Yeah. And it was like, if I'm identifying with all those, like, oh, let me yeah. just, let me just not continue down this road. I don't know. I'm the opposite. If I'm in that mood, sometimes I'm like, let me just put on some dashboard confessions. <laughs> yeah. Just wallow. And, yeah. Get in, and yeah, and just be sad and just get it out of my system. Well, I remember not going to see him. Did y'all play with him at Slim's when he played? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dashboard I remember... or Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. He's, he's no. down the Slim's now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Caraba has really been. I did open for that guy. The yeah, dashboard confession. Wait, what? Yeah, 506. Yeah, yeah. we have enough How funny. What? Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't remember why that happened. Scott asked and we were like... So y'all are a twangy emo band now? Is yeah. that was this? This was our very... One of our, were we Blue Cactus at the time? I, guess, I think it might have been. We might have been transitioning really. into being a duo and figuring it out. But yeah. How we just got funny. asked and we're like, okay. <laughs> How was the crowd reception for you guys there? I don't know if they were there yet. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been there yet. Yeah. Oh man. But everyone loved him. Oh yeah. They like this one of those that like you're singing on to every word. Yeah. Actually, but yeah. It was a I remember. I remember the. There's some some real real deal sad stuff there. Yeah, he was like being pulled. Like somebody was was like, hey, we need you to come do this meet and greet or something, or like jump on this thing. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just. Trying to FaceTime with my kid right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I remember seeing this like little moment happening. And I'm like, oh, Chris Caraba. <laughs> Bless. Out there. Uh, I was in the Raleigh Kroger right before it closed. I don't know if y'all went to any of the Kroger's in the area right before they mm-hmm. closed, and they were very sad wastelands of the most random things left on the shelf, and they were playing <laughs> Screaming Infidelities on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, videoing it, and just like, welcome to the last week of Kroger. <laughs> I like to think that was, like, their special store closing playlist. It was just the, Just all dashboard yeah, all the time. Kroger confessional. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. But yeah, I did not go to a Dylan Earl song uh, show one time because I was like, I'm I just too, yeah. Too down I, to get more down. Yeah, I was like, those songs just resonate too much right now. Mm-hmm. And just, I want to try to be in a better, a more positive mood than that. This is our first Brooks and Dunn song, right? No, we did the Dale Earnhardt song oh, with BJ. that's right. The deep cut. This is Sunday the first. Money. This is the first Brooks and Dunn song that anybody has ever actually listened to. <laughs> <laughs> that people would know off the bat. That people would what? know off the bat. Not Maria. <laughs> well, no, we we haven't done that one yet. Okay. But this is no, the first we, one we've included. This is the first time a... that we featured it as a song on the podcast, except for the episode with BJ Barham. Spencer chose a song called Sunday Money that was about Dale Earnhardt. Did you guys watch NASCAR growing up or like go to the races? I did. I went to a few, and I think everyone needs to have that experience at least once. Mm-hmm. Have you been, Maria? Not NASCAR, no. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. It's just like a cultural experience. The people people watching watching. is so good. Yeah, we we went like every Friday night when I was a kid. That was like our family out here. Maybe it was Saturday. It was like Friday or Saturday when they had the race in Hickory. So I grew up here there. And Hickory is the birthplace of NASCAR. In quotes, that's their slogan. (laughs) So the Hickory Motor Speedway is like where they have their race. And my dad and mom took us and... We got tacos from Taco Bell, the family pack, and like nice. watched the race. 
And like, I, I would always fall asleep by the last race, which was the big one when like the yeah. guys were about to go pro race. Yeah. It was just like, it was such a long night. I got to ride in the pit car. Ooh. Ooh nice. Anyway. That wasn't a dirt track. That was like a real. Yeah, that was like a paved one. Paved one. Yeah. Interesting. We had the uh, swamp buggy races in South Florida. What are so those? That sounds cool. They're like these crazy off-road vehicles with giant wheels. That like dune buggies, but kind of yeah, that kind of thing where like they're basically the tires were big enough where they could kind of like be tearing around on mud mm. and everything, and you know, yeah. that real real Florida shit. Yeah, that's what real say. Florida <laughs> shit. Or was there a track? I mean, was it like... Yeah, there was some, like, semblance of... There was a line or something. It was a path. Yeah, there was a path. That you had to follow. Carved through. That's interesting. I've never heard of that before. Is that still a thing? I think so. I haven't kept my finger on the swamp buggy pulse. <laughs> <laughs> We're going down for the holidays, probably, so let's... let's it's look, not, it's not a well-promoted venture. Yeah. It's not like they have sponsored... I mean, they have, like, small sponsors, I think, Yeah. for their... Huh. Like like the local hunting store or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, those were great songs. Good picks, everybody. So what do you guys have coming up? Anything exciting? We're about to go back to the studio. So that's very exciting mm-hmm. for us. Um, this will be our second Blue Cactus record. So yeah, in like five days, basically, we're going back um, with a great crew of people that we're really excited to work with. Alex Bingham's producing it, right? Yeah, yeah, we're producing it with Alex and our drummer Gabe, who we play with when we have a full band, and Alex plays bass with us, so we'll have our usual crew of players mm-hmm. up there. But Wright's playing pedal steel. Ooh, Yay! awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saman and well, Saman Kujinian and mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson are going to be engineering together. Nice. And Jad's cooking. <laughs> nice. Where are y'all going to record? At Alex's family's lake house. Oh, fun. Up near Roanoke. That is what we're most excited about. And well, we just announced today that we're going to be pursuing this full time after the school year. So I've been teaching for eight years. Um, wow. And we're like just going to transition after that into Blue Cactus being our primary mm-hmm. focus, which is really crazy, but that's like what we really want to be doing. Yeah, so. that's exciting. Nice. Congratulations. That's really yes. cool. And so you guys have a fundraiser happening now? Where Can people still donate? Oh, yeah, they can always donate. <laughs> <laughs> there will never be a time the, that The Venmo is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yep, uh, we started a GoFundMe, and there's absolutely no deadline to that whatsoever. <laughs> that will stay up as long as we feel. Uh, it's worth cool. coming up there. Mm-hmm. Just go to GoFundMe and search Blue Cactus and it'll pop up. Yeah, you can also, um, if you just find us on social media, mm-hmm. you'll find the, the links, the and, links stuff. and you can also just PayPal us directly. Right now and, you know, <laughs> My grandmother has been telling everyone at her retirement home to send us checks. So we got like a check in the mail from some older woman. <laughs> oh, oh, how cute. I I've never met her. It was I, so awesome. I can't That's wait so to like so my grandson is like, all right, so my grandma keeps writing checks every week to Blue Cactus. And I don't know where the hell her money's going to. Like there's some investigation goes along. Oh gosh. That's yeah. so cute though. I love that. I know, it really made made her day. <laughs> So, you know, there's really so many ways that you can support us. I mean, mm-hmm. coming to the show is also, like, always always great. Yeah. So y'all have a show March 30th in Durham at the Pinhook. That's my birthday. March. Ooh. 
Rachel's birthday show, apparently. Let me tell you, I have shown up to shows that are at my party, or on my birthday, <laughs> and made them my party. I've done that. I did that at Slim's before, and... It's going to be a good party. Yeah, we can support yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that again. Last time I did that... Just turn uh, the amps up a little bit more. No, no, no. So, so the, my favorite memory, I did that at a, a Luego show yeah. at um, Slim's, and I'm friends with Patrick, and Patrick was like, it's your birthday, here's a tambourine, shake it whenever you want. <laughs> oh, wow. um, but this guy, oh, God, Mark McKee, is he the one that's in Delta Ray? Mike. Okay, so it's his brother, Mark. Right. yeah didn't know me and he just thought that I was some drunk girl with a tambourine <laughs> which you kind of which were. I was <laughs> but he tried to take the tambourine out of my hand and I was like oh, hell bitch no. it's my birthday and Patrick gave me this tambourine <laughs> so I will um, I'm, so, I'll be sober at y'all's so that, yeah that's, show. That's, that's a good point um, but say you will ruin their connection with Lily Hyatt to like <laughs> no, 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 no. she picks you guys to open you're like well don't bring that drunk ass <laughs> the, woman around the drunk here. pregnant lady with the tambourine no I won't do that I'll just show up and be a, a respectful fan. <laughs> <laughs> so April 18th, Lincoln Theater with the Band of Heathens, mm-hmm. right? And the 26th year in Charlotte. Yeah, opening oh, yeah. for Daniel Donato at uh, the Evening Muse. Um, he is a ribbon guitar player too, so. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I've got a couple festivals, Shikori in May and See one in Indiana that I don't Virginia Avenue Music Festival, but yeah. I think about one percent of our listeners are in Indiana. Based on the stats, they're like number thirteen or fourteen. So we're coming your way. Yeah, to, that's yeah. We'll one make sure they're all. Does that translate to like half a person? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how. <laughs> half a person. It's gonna. If you see a half person, in maybe your they listen show, to like one episode. Just, okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe they'll listen to this one. Yeah, yeah and they'll show up to your festival. Fun. Cool. Well, thank you guys so for much. being on here. And it's our yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Picking great songs. We'll see you on my birthday on March 30th. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Mom. Bye, Mom. <laughs> Taking its way